0: Today's daf is Lamed, Oh, it's actually, mem. Today's daf is mem. We're starting on lamid tetamud bet with the new Mishnah. The Mishnah uh, says, Ein et We cannot soak the bran. Bran was fed to the animals. They would soak it first to make it easier to, uh, to, to eat it. They would give it to the chickens. So you're not allowed to soak the bran Aval al-khultin, but you can scald it. What that means is you can't soak it in wo- cold or lukewarm water but what you can do is in boiling water drop it in and that will soften it as well but it won't cause it to become chametz. Boiling water, if it's already rolling boil before you put the grain in, will seal the, 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 the wheat. It will not uh, cause it to um, become chametz. They used to take bran with them as a kind of a skin treatment after they would go to the uh, to the bathhouse um, just as today, a lot of the skin products and hair products and stuff like that, they have like different kinds of grains in it. So the, they would rub it on their skin so she cannot soak that beforehand because it could become chametz. She can rub it. She could dry, rub it dry on her skin even though her skin is still a little bit damp. She says, it's okay. That's not going to cause it to become chametz. People say different reasons why. Is it because it's very little moisture or maybe because she's rubbing it so she rubs it and then she discards it so it won't become chametz while she has it. Whatever the reason is, she She's allowed to do that. And then, Person, I guess they used to, it sounds unusual to us, but they used to chew grain and then put it as a kind of a salve on their uh, body, on a wound. So it says, you, you cannot chew, chew wheat and then put it on your... Uh, on your macab, because becomes from the saliva. You chew it, and it becomes uh, chametz. And then uh, uh, you know, while it's sitting on your arm or whatever, uh, as a um, as some kind of a medicine, some kind of a, a sort of a bandage or whatever to cover the wound, or, if, or I don't know if it was to cover it to heal it. It's not entirely clear, but they would do that. Now the Gemara says, These are things that cannot become chametz. something which is baked, something that's cooked, and also if you scald it in boiling hot water, in other words, if the water is boiling hot and you drop the wheat in, instead of becoming chametz, it actually seals it so that it will not become chametz. Now the Gemara asks, what do you mean cooked? If you, if you, uh, cook, if you have water and you put the chita in there, and you boil it up, of course it's going to become chametz. What do you mean it's not going to become chametz? That's how you can make chametz, the perfect way to make chametz. You, make, you put a water on there, you start warming it up, you put the wheat in with the water, and slowly it will become chametz. It means that the item was already baked and you cooked it. In other words, it, that's one case where it says, meaning if you already cooked it, that's how we have like matzah meal, right? They already baked it. So since they already baked it, it was already done, so then you put it inside water and you cook it in a soup, it's not going to become chametz anymore. But of course, obviously, if you put, it, uh, put wheat in a pot of water and you heat up the water, by the time the water heats up, the, 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 the wheat will already be chametz. But we're talking about where you already cooked it. Tanya Rabbi if you have, a, um, you have flour and there's a leak in the roof and it's dripping on there, even if it's dripping all day long, because it's, a, because it's dripping... It will not create chametz. That's only if it keeps drip, drip, dripping. In other words, the motion, the action, prevents the flower from... In order to have chametz, it has to be at rest with the water. The flower has to be at rest with the water and allowed to rise. But if there's a constant dripping, it's going to keep pushing it down. It's not going to be able to rise and that will prevent it from becoming chametz. He says, Vatika is allowed. Vatika is some kind of a food made with flour. Ah, but we learned in a of that you're not allowed to eat it. There is a way to do it without water. In other words, if you mix it simply with oil and and salt, it's plain flour, never touched by water, with oil and salt, so of course that's going to be allowed. How, because uh, because um, uh, because oil meaning olive oil is meperot. Uh, it's it's not a uh, it's not water. But if you make it with water it wouldn't be allowed. said, Avishna. A person should not add to their pot that they're cooking um, the, the uh, toasted part, like they would take toasted grain they would take grain and they would toast it um, or and or, over the fire so Rashi says they would want to like thicken let's say um, and they still do this today, you know, to thicken food. You, you put some grain in it. You put some uh, wow. some mizonot in there, flour, whatever, to thicken it. So, in order to thicken it, they would put in this kemach. So, if you already dried it and roasted it, you know, you toasted the grain. So, therefore, really, it shouldn't be able to become chametz anymore, right? So, that it's like it's uh, ro- it's like it's uh, baked already the grain. So, you should be able to put it in. So he says, but you shouldn't do it because maybe you won't fully, maybe one time you'll take grain that wasn't fully roasted completely and it's still partially uncooked and you'll put that in and then it will become actual chametz. So that would be a problem. But if, it's, if it had been fully roasted true, you wouldn't have a problem. But the problem is that we can never really tell. He says, you shouldn't scald two pieces of wheat at a time. Like we said before, you can do this thing of scalding that they would have the uh, boiling hot water. If it's already boiling, and you drop in a, a piece of wheat a grain of wheat it will not become chametz on the contrary it actually seals it from becoming chametz and it won't become chametz but if you put two pieces in at a time he says that, that's not good why? because what will happen is that these two pieces of wheat might get stuck together because because wheat kernels they have cracks in them so one will get stuck in the crack of the other one the water won't reach that crack and then instead of scalding the wheat. This wheat has to be scalded on every uh, part of its surface. It can't be covered in it. It's like chatzitsa, you know, but it's even more strict because even a small amount, the water, if it doesn't get fully scalded, so then it's still capable of becoming chametz. So it won't be good if you do one the, more, more than one at a time. He says, You also should not. Even roast or toast—I don't know what you. I guess you call it toasting. Um, two grain—they would sometimes have stalks of grain that they would, they would, they would toast them over the fire, and I guess they would eat them straight away like that, right? So you shouldn't do two at a time. Why? <speaking> because what's going to happen when you roast something? So natural moisture comes out of the item, and that no- moisture is then going go to go onto the other one and make it chametz. So then you shouldn't even be able to roast one uh, uh, stalk over the fire because, because it's going to sweat whatever moisture comes out it's going to move from one side of it to the other side and be reabsorbed and create chametz. Rather Ravas says no whatever is exuded by the the vegetable itself, meaning by the plant itself, by the weed itself, that's not called water. That's called meperot. It's not considered water. And we already said that that does not create chameetz. And actually, Abaye retracted his view, not 100%, but he refined the view. Because he said, that anything that is running off, In other words, as it is running off, it will not create chametz. It's similar to what we say about like blood. um, When the uh, it's not exactly the same concept, but similar that when you're salting meat and the blood is running off, or or if you roast, let's say you roast meat, you don't have to really salt it. You know, if you roast the meat directly over the fire, you don't really have to salt it according to halacha because it draws the blood out naturally. If you roast it over a fire, you can't cook it in a pan. Because it'll collect the blood. But if you roast it over an open fire and it just, the blood runs off, it says, since it's in the process of running off, it doesn't get reabsorbed into the meat. So he's saying the same thing. Since it's running off, it's not going to get reabsorbed. So he's not agreeing with him that that liquid that exudes from the, um, from the, uh, wheat is okay. He's just saying that since it's running off, it won't come back in and make a re-entry, so therefore it's okay. That's why he said that you have a certain container that they would roast grain. Toast grain, I think they call it, right? Right? So if you hold it upside down, so that whatever's in, you know, obviously it has to be suspended in there, but whatever is being roasted, the, the liquid will run off. Right? So that's okay. But if you hold it right side up, that it's going to collect the liquid, so that he's going to say it's not good. But However, Rava will say, even if it's in a pot that is right side up, it's still okay, because the liquid itself that comes out of the chita is not considered water. It's considered meperot, and so it will be okay. So that's a whether you have to let that juice run off or not. I remember that one of my teachers said once that even for Ashkenazim, Getting ears of corn really should be permitted on Pesach, even though they don't eat corn, right? But they should be able to get ears of corn because it's no worse than getting stalks of grain. You're allowed to get a stalk of wheat and roast it over a fire directly, there's no water. So if they go and they buy like those closed ears of corn, why can't they open it and roast it over a fire and eat it? What's the problem? It's no different than regular wheat, Right, you're being more strict about, uh, about, uh, tiras yeah. than you, than, than, than uh, about corn, than about, uh, than about wheat. It doesn't make sense. Anyway, <inaudible> you cannot wash. They used to wash, obviously we also do, wash off the grain before they use it. They would wash off the barley. He says, don't wash it. Why? Uh, because it will, it will end up becoming kamehat, right? <inaudible> and if you do wash it, so if you see that they break open, because what happens is they absorb the water from being washed, it sounds like. And then what happens is that they, um, they uh, swell up and then they crack open. And that's how you can tell it became chamet. So if it didn't break open, that's okay. If, they broke, if it broke open, it's, uh, it's chamet. Rabbi Yossi What you should do is, if you washed it already, put it into chamet, put it into vinegar, because vinegar will seal it so that even if it started to swell up, it won't break open. Amar Shmuel, Shmuel said, in Rabbi Yossi. Nope, the halachah doesn't follow Rabbi Yossi. If it started to swell up, it's already. You cannot reverse the process by uh, if it started opening up. You can't now seal it with the uh, with the chometz with the uh, vinegar. <inaudible> Even if it didn't fully open up. <inaudible> any uh, any uh, barley that even if it didn't crack open yet, but if it's swelling up and you were to put it over a a barrel of wine, apparently the fumes from the wine would cause the barley to fully open up. In any barley that's at the point that if you put held it over the fumes of the wine, it would open up. That's considered Chametz already. But Shmuel was more lenient and he said, No, unless the we, the actual barley broke open, it's still okay. You can't reverse it like Yosi and reseal it together. You can't do that. But you can. But as long as it hasn't opened yet, it's not Chametz. Uh, so, uh, in fact, uh, so the um, so uh, Shmuel actually did this that he, um, that in the, uh, in the village of Barhashu, Chashu, okay, he actually uh, was lenient and they had a situation where they had uh, barley that was washed and it started to puff up a little bit, but it didn't open yet and he said it was okay. But Rabbi says, somebody who's really careful will not. Wash any grain, not wheat and not barley, even though all it mentioned here was barley. You won't wash anything. So, what do you mean a religious person? Balnefesh means somebody who has a soul, but obviously everybody does. But it means that someone who is careful, right? Even a regular person is not allowed to wash. the pesach. We already learned you're not allowed to wash the souring. You're not allowed to wash the barley. So what does he mean? Somebody who's very religious. Everyone is not allowed to. He meant that somebody who's very careful, not only will they not wash barley, which opens easily, for it's, it absorbs the liquid and, and it opens easily, they won't even wash off the wheat. The wheat. Anybody who listens to Abba, that was the, the, the name for, uh, for uh, Rabbah, they said anybody who listens to him, Pusha, he's gonna eat moldy bread. Meaning they're not gonna clean the wheat. You know, in order to make nice wheat that's that that is fine flour and all that, you have to clean the wheat. You have to wash it off. He's saying you're not allowed to do that. So he's telling everyone to eat bad bread. Right? The Hab Because everyone in the house of Ravhuna would, would wash the grain Baravin and they did it in the house of Rav Baravin, but Rava says you're not allowed to. Okay, so that and and so that's interesting because above it said Amar Rabbah. Now it's saying Ravah. didn't allow it, right? What about the bride says lo Why does it say to wash the grain? Yeah. So now it says lo So Sorin hu de la ha So the implication is that it's specifically telling you that you're not allowed to wash barley, but we should be okay. Lomi mi bayak, amar. It means. Even so, meaning Since they have cracks, the wheat has cracks, the water will go in. For sure you can't wash the wheat. But when it comes to when it comes to barley, the she'a it's very smooth. In other words, you might have thought the point is that you. Why did it mention you can't wash barley? Not because you're allowed to wash wheat. The opposite. You're definitely not allowed to wash wheat. It has it has cracks in it. The water will get in and will make it chametz. But even barley, you're not allowed to wash because it absorbs the liquid and then it's going to pop open and become chametz. So, but then later changes the opinion. So up till so originally it said Rabba said. That Bal right? Now we're talking about Ravah, different person. Now Rava then said I changed my mind. It's not prohibited to wash the wheat, it's it's allowed. The time we t- learned in Abhita, because we learned before in a that you're allowed to use for matzah pat which is Nikiah, Clean bread. It doesn't mean versus dirty bread. It means fine flour, fine flour, which means that obviously you cleaned it, because you took all the impurities out in order to make very fine solid. If you make very fine solid, like the finest kind of uh, flour. So it says, and also, had you can also use the coarse flour. I mean, you don't have to remove the bran. If you want a whole wheat matzah, it's fine. They make whole wheat matzah. Or you can have pure solet nikya, what it's called. Clean, uh, pure bread. So you see from that, and you wouldn't be able to have solet. You wouldn't be able to have fine flour unless you wash the grain to get rid of the impurities. So obviously it's saying you're allowed to wash the chita. You're allowed to wash the wheat. So therefore it must be allowed. That's not true that in order to make sure that you have solet, you need to uh, wash the weed. It's not true because we learned because it says that the the flower and the fine flower of non Jews shall kvarim taurim. That if they are from the villages, they are taur. But if they're from the cities, they're tmeim. Now, what, what do we know about tum'ah? In order to become tameh, what does something have to have contact with? Always water. So, what is it saying? It's saying that the flower of the non Jews from the Kfarim, from the villages, okay? that, not the village people, we don't, that, we're not talking about them, they, we, we, I don't know about their flour, but the flower of the people who live in the villages, they didn't use water because they didn't clean the grain because they had very coarse, you know, it was cheap, it was, you know, they were the rural people, they didn't have like fancy stuff, so they, would, they wouldn't wash it. So therefore, it wasn't Tamei because it never came into contact with water, but the ones from the cities, right, Kachim is the big cities, there the, they, they were cleaning the grain, so, so it was Tamei. This is not talking about Pesach, Let's talk about tumah. Okay, that the point is that you see from here that it says kemach and solet of the kfarim is taur, which implies that they that they right so that it could be called solet even though it never had any water, right? So it says. They, I don't know, but they picked it out or they sifted it or something. I don't know. So my Tama, love Mishum de solet. Now, why is it that it's saying that the flower of the villages is tahor because it never touched water, right? That's the reason. And yet, it still calls it solet. So obviously, solet and doesn't require cleaning. You're wrong that solet requires cleaning. Targuma kimcha. It says, no. When it said that it was uh, that, that the flower of the kfarim is taor, it meant only about kemach, not solet. It didn't mean about solet. Okay, in other words, so Tosafot of course, asks, Right, so uh, so uh, so then why uh, why did it say solet in the in the Braita? He says, oh, because it's litzdadin katani, which means that w- when it was talking about what was tamei in the cities, it meant both the kemach and the solet, right? Because even their flour that wasn't such high quality, they washed it. In the kfarim, really, it was only the kemach that was okay. If they had solet in the kfarim, that was washed, so that would be a problem for tumah, and therefore also. That would mean that solet always implies some kind of a washing process, as Rav is saying. after he went out, after Rav Papa said, went out, he got upset at himself. You ever have a discussion with someone? You like, oh, I, sh- I had the best comeback, and you know, I should have said this. He came left. He said, Oh, I should have had a comeback. He says my Why didn't I give him a response? It says in, it says that uh, we we learned that the Rabbi zira said in the name of Rabbi and the name of Shmuel that the wheat that they used for Menachot for the flower offerings in the and HaMikdash en they did not soak it they don't wash it with water the, uh, the wheat, they sifted it they, they, had to, they have to sift it from all the impurities but they didn't wash it right? and it's always called solet we always say solet mincha it's a solet, even though they didn't wash it that's a proof from the Torah that it's not uh, the, you know because the word solet is used and, and yet they never thought that they had to wash the grain so obviously solet doesn't mean you have to wash the grain and that would mean that you don't have to wash the grain to make matzah even though you use solet. So Hadar, Amar, Ava, then went even more radical than that. And he said, mitzvah liltot. I decided not only is it an, it's a mitzvah to wash the grain. Why? Because it says you have to guard the matzah. And if you don't have to wash the grain, what do you have to watch it for? Meaning the whole point is because it has to come into contact with water. You have to watch it. Okay? So the Gemara says, Ishimur Delisha. If it's talking about watching it, once you start to make the batek when you're kneading the dough, "Shimur that's not considered guarding. Because Ravuna said that a person can eat dough that was made by the non-Jews, meaning obviously that they made sure that it didn't become actual chametz, but because they didn't have intention, l'shem mitzvah, when they're making it, you can't use it for the matzat, matzat mitzvah. That's what it says. As long as you have kazait matzah bachronah, as long as you have at least a kazait of matzah that was made l'shem mitzvah, it's okay. You can use the b'tsekotcha nochri, right? So it says bachronah in barishonah lo, which means that you, that, uh, you can't use it as your, uh, as your Matzat mitzvah. So, my time, I'm a shumdela avad shimur Because the non-Jews didn't guard it. So the question is, So the thing is, if you, obviously somebody's watching these non-Jews making this to make sure that it doesn't become Chametz, right? So why can't you just say, okay, we're starting the shimur now when they're needing the dough? What's the problem? It says, ah, because that shows you that once they start making the actual dough, it's too late to fulfill the mitzvah of Shemartem et Amatzot. It has to be before that, umimai, so, so, and therefore what what does that mean? That means they must have had the wheat come in contact with water before they even kneaded it into the dough, because you see that the kneading, shmira mishat lisha, what it's called, uh, watching the dough from the time that it's being kneaded is not enough for matzat mitzvah, because you see that it says he still has to have a kazait of matzah that was made l'shem mitzvah. It won't count what they did. So, the, and why shouldn't it count? Why can't you just watch them while they're kneading the dough and say, I hereby make this the or, or do something to the dough, you know, as they're working with it. No, once they already made it into a dough, it's too late to fulfill the mitzvah. So it must mean that you had it in contact with water before. So it says, no, maybe not. Maybe not. So why can't you just say that, no, the reason why you, the lisha, the kneading of the dough, you, that kavana that you have during that part will not redeem that dough to be able to use it for matzat mitzvah is because they already started when you w- wanted to have the proper kavana. But if actually from the moment they started kneading the dough, you, you had the kavana that it should be for matzat mitzvah, maybe that's good enough. Maybe you don't have to wash the grain before. The actual contact between the water and the flour when they're kneading the dough is enough. It's just that you weren't there at the beginning to do that. They had already started doing it, so it was too late for you to have the kavana. But that doesn't prove that you have to have Shmirah before that. Maybe the Shmirah of the Lisha is enough. And, and so it says, Because he would say to the P, he said that he never retracted, even though they had a good question. Okay, good question. Maybe it's not 100% sure, but... He never changed his opinion, and therefore he would go out to the guys who were bundling the sheaves of grain, and he would say to them, when you are bundling, when you are turning them over and, and taking them, do it l'shem mitzvah. What does that mean? That means, this, this is where we get the idea of shmura, shmura mishat ktsira. This comes from rava, actually. This Khala comes from rava. Shmura mishat ktsira, which means you have to have watching of the grain from the time that it was taken out of the ground. And on. Obviously, somebody doesn't have to sit there the entire winter and, and fall watching it uh, sit in the ground. That doesn't count. But once it's harvested, from then on, shmura mishat ktira is what we always try to to seek. There's another idea of Shemira mishat that some people say, which is from the time that the gr- grain is ground. You'll sometimes see in the store something that says mishah, mishah it's a little bit lower level. And then, of course, the, the, the ordinary kind that's not at all is only like it says here, that they, did, they, they didn't obviously mix it with water in, on purpose, but they didn't have somebody watching it l'shem mitzvah the whole time until they actually mixed it with the water to make the dough. And that's too late, according to everyone, in order for it to qualify for the mitzvah of, uh, of matzah, or according to most, I should say. But uh, it's still, uh, that's it's not still ch- not chametz, right? There's a difference between non chametz and matzat mitzvah. The matzat mitzvah has to be made uh, l'shem mitzvah. So since the question is you know when that, that, that the initial other, water didn't make it chametz, what initial water? Let's say that they, they, they didn't watch it. What initial oh, water from they, when? They, they didn't watch it. Because we, we have a general principle of We don't have to always worry that oh maybe uh, some random thing happened once it comes in contact with water. So then we already have to make sure that it didn't become chametz. That's you know. But there are signs that you can tell if something became chametz or not, even if it had contact with water. They can look at the grain and see that it was it was okay. Um, like when it's whole grain still, it didn't open, it didn't. So that they can they can see and they don't have to assume the worst. But once they, once it's actually needed, that for, ever, for sure everyone needs to. And it says, Morbeiduravina. Um, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, skip Alma, Kasavar And that shows you that you need Shmirah. You need it to be watched from beginning to end, from the Ktsiran on. In fact, it says, His mother would keep the special. The kemach that was taken, in other words, the grain that was harvested mitzvah from the time of the harvesting and was put in a special container that they would save for matzot mitzvah, and they would only use that for the matzot mitzvah. How arba One time there was a boat that was carrying wheat and it it uh, sunk in the river is the river. So Rava said, you know what? You could sell it to the non Jews. Rabbi, said to Rabbi, how could you do that? We have a rule that if you have a begged, you have a garment that has kilaim in it, but you can't find, let's say you have a, a wool garment and you know there is a linen thread in there and you can't find it. So don't sell it to a non Jew. Why? Because a non Jew will sell it to a Jew. And don't even make a, a, a saddle Cloth for the donkey because maybe the guy will say, You know what? This saddle cloth for the donkey. I'm going to make it into a shirt. You don't know. Therefore, you should make it for a person who died. You should make it make it shroud, because the person who's dead, he's allowed to wear shatnez. Uh, she says, because it says, B'metim chufshi, once a person is, dies, he doesn't have the mitzvot anymore, let him wear the shatnez, it's okay. Right? So it says, what's the reason why you could give it to the non-Jew? Uh, I mean, is it, you're not allowed to give it to the non-Jew? Because he's going to go and sell it to the Jew, and the Jew will say, oh, well, this guy bought it from, uh, from uh, uh, you know, a Jewish uh, uh, a Jewish guy, so obviously it must not be shatnez, and then he won't realize. Right? So hadam rava said, you 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 know what? You're right. This grain that was in this boating accident okay, that got wet, sell it in small amounts to Jews so that they finish it before Pesach. That's all we can do. We shouldn't sell it to the non-Jew because a Jew might buy it back thinking it was never in contact with water. And then we'll have a problem because remember, they didn't care whether the wheat had contact with water except for the matzat mitzvah. For, the, uh, for, uh, for everything else, as long as they, it didn't come into contact with water from the time they possessed it, they didn't worry about it. That way everyone will finish it before Pesach. You should not, what they would do is they would put flour into their pots, before we talked about to thicken the, um, to thicken the uh, dish, but now we're talking about actually to absorb, another reason why people t- put uh, flour in, to absorb the moisture, and especially back then there would be like frothy foods, they would have a lot of, a lot of, uh, froth. So they would put in the, the grain and it would absorb it. So it says, you can't do that on Pesach. So if you want to do it, if you insist, put flour in and then put in vinegar. The vinegar will stop the flour from becoming chametz. And some say, you can even first pour vinegar into the dish and then put in the flour. And because there's vinegar in the dish, the flour won't become chametz that you add in. Who is the one who says you can do the, the even add the, uh, the vinegar to to the dish and have it mixed in and then add the flour and it won't become chametz. it's Rabbi Yehudah Rabbi Yehuda thinks that vinegar is extremely potent if you have a pot that you removed from the fire and it was still boiling you can't put into it any kinds of uh, this is talking about on Shabbat you can't put spices into a clearishon. Right? Because it will still cook. But once you serve from the main pot, in other words, if you have the main pot that was on the fire, even though you took it off the fire, okay, it was on the fire, so it's clearly shown you can't add anything to that on Shabbat, but once you take it off and you put it in the bowl, you can add whatever you want. Okay? Now, however, you can put whatever you want. However, if that dish has vinegar, or tzir is the brine of fish, if it had those very sharp, potent things in it, then even in clichenie, even once you move it to the klisheni, you're not going to be able to add anything into it because it'll be considered able to cook still because it has the power of the vinegar, right? So what do you see? He thinks vinegar is so powerful. So therefore, even if you added the vinegar to the dish that was, to the to the thing that was cooking and then you put kemach in afterwards, the vinegar is so powerful it will neutralize the kemach and the kemach, the flour, will not become chametz. See Why do you have to go all the way to find Rebbe Yehudah's halachav vilchot Shabbat? What about Rabbi Yossi? The Amar, Yossi Omer, Khomet, we already said that if you already soaked the grain, you already soaked the uh, barley, even though it starts to open up, you can put it into vinegar and it will stop it. So, why? Maybe it's Rebbiosi that says vinegar is super powerful. Why are you assuming it's Rabbi Yehuda? The reason is because Rabbi Yosi is talking about vinegar when it's on its own. Vinegar on its own is a sealant, it's extremely powerful. But when it's mixed into a dish, maybe it won't have that power. Maybe if you pour it into the dish and it's just a dish that contains vinegar as an ingredient, that won't have the same power as vinegar alone to seal the grain. So maybe he wouldn't agree with that. So what do we say? Allah says, don't do this at all. This This is playing with fire, right? Whether you put the vinegar in first or you put the vinegar in afterwards, it's a bad idea to start throwing uh, flour no, 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 no. into a pot is a bad idea, forget it. What do we say? We say to the to the Nazir, there's a very famous saying, say to the Nazir, walk away, stay away from the kerem, from the vineyard, meaning you don't stay away from it, it's too much trouble. So Rav Papi said, even though it's true that we should not really use flour in the pots. To, uh, to absorb the liquid, even if it has vinegar, but toasted flour, in other words, toasted grain, would be okay, because toasted grain can't become oh, chametz, yeah. so, so use that. He allowed the servants in the house of the reish Galuta to do that. And so he said, but Amar Ava, said, Ika kihai uh, milta beduchta avdei, is it would anybody permit this where there are slaves doing this? In other words, when you have the help doing it, you can't be lenient because the help, they're not so careful. They're not going to know what they're doing, right? You have, if you're doing it with people that it's your own house and you know what you're doing and you're controlling it and all that, Fine, but when you have servants doing it, they, all right, they'll say, "Oh, what's the difference? It grab, it grab me some of the regular flour. You know, I don't, I don't want to use the. I ran out of. Uh, I ran out of the parched grain that was toasted. Give me the other one. They're not going to know the difference. You can't rely on them. Am but some say he himself actually did that at home, meaning he would permit it at home. These two versions don't really contradict each other. The first one he was saying that when you're in a situation where you cannot control what's happening, you have to be more strict. When you're in a situation where you are under control, you can follow Ikaradin. Nobody in the end. So many of these things we don't do nowadays. For instance, we don't seal grain with Vinegar, we don't, also, we don't do chalita, which is what they would do. They would say, oh, you want to use, uh, you want to use wheat, you can just boil a pot, really high boil, throw the wheat in, and it seals it from ever becoming chametz, and now you can use it whatever you want, and it will never become chametz, and it will be like, it's kashela pezach, you know, guaranteed. But the, we don't do that either. It's a minhag of the geonim, going back to the geonim. The Rambam even says that we don't do any of these things anymore, uh, because it's, it's too facts. complicated. To uh, too uh, yeah, it's too risky because it won't it won't pr- the, maybe the water is not hot enough, maybe it won't be done properly, maybe you didn't leave it in long enough, whatever it is. There's all kinds of different things we don't want to get involved in it. So therefore, they, even in the times of the Geonim, they already prohibited doing any of these things. That was the tradition. So.